0: Welcome to AMDG, I'm Eric Clayton. Just a few weeks ago, on August 4th, an explosion devastated the city of Beirut, the capital city and the largest city in Lebanon. At least 160 people were killed and more than 5,000 people injured. Homes were destroyed and countless people suddenly found themselves without shelter, food or water. Cultural artifacts and historic buildings vanished And this on top of a global pandemic, a crumbling economy, protests in the streets and a burgeoning number of refugees fleeing to Lebanon, seeking safety. For better or worse, the people of Lebanon know what to do when they hear explosions. The decades long civil war instilled in them a muscle memory that wasn't easily forgotten. But adding one trauma on top of another is emotionally and spiritually exhausting. Mental health is just as fragile As physical safety. The Jesuits of Beirut have been responding as best they can, accompanying the people in this moment of darkness. I caught up with Father Dan Carew, the newly appointed director of the Jesuit Refugee Service in the Middle East. He invited me into that moment when the explosion first hit, painting a vivid picture of pain and suffering, but also of resilience and hope, and he detailed how the Ignatian family is responding. Ultimately, Father Dan reminds each of us that Jesus is still present, particularly in these moments of brokenness. And if you'd like to support the people of Beirut in this moment of brokenness, you can visit JRSUSA.org. All right, Father Dan Carew, welcome back to AMDG.
1: Delighted to be here, Eric. Thanks for having me back. I, uh, as I, I joked with you in the email, I, uh, I'm a, on one level honored and delighted to be back uh, on the on the podcast. Unfortunately, uh, for both reasons uh, that I was asked, uh, it's for uh, for uh, for difficult things. So I, I I'm sorry about that. But it's it's great to be with you and, and uh, very very excited about all the work that you've been doing here. So thank you for doing some great work on the AMDG podcast.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, we're delayed that you're able to take some time to, to talk with us today. And uh, so you were on la- last fall. Um, and I wonder if, if before we kind of get into the recent explosion and, and, and the tragic events around it um, in, in Beirut, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, what has life been like in Beirut, in Lebanon, um, since you were last on the podcast, so the last six or so months, what has been on the minds and um, the challenges of, of people have been facing?
1: So uh, I think I was uh, last with you in November, uh, and so that was at the point when there was there were sort of mass uprisings in the streets, uh, and it was a great uh, it was a very joyful uh, kind of feel in general to those to those protests. Um, those continued; uh, they dissipated a little bit as governments changed and things. Uh, there were moments that would erupt again in in sort of protests against the political structure, the social, political, economic structure. Uh, and they tended to be a little bit more violent uh, in as it got to December, January. Uh, but at that point, certainly by November, uh, the what some people have likened to the the Ponzi scheme of the of the economic structure, the banking structure of, of Lebanon, uh, started to fall apart. Uh, and so, what we started to see certainly in December and January uh, was that the uh, the economic difficulties that we were starting to feel that were part of the the initial uh, uprisings and, and protests um, started to have very real implications. We were not able to withdraw any money from the banks, uh, so I mean, our, our programs with JRS, especially here in Lebanon, uh, we were severely uh, restricted on what we could do. Uh, had a very difficult time paying salaries, things like that, um, and very difficult time transferring money, even so, uh, from the banks here to our programs in Iraq and right. and, and, and Syria. Uh, so there was. a That economic instability Uh, and then literally from January to uh, April, so just a four month window, the currency lost, uh, you know, uh, nearly it it became just an eighth of of the value of the currency uh, earlier. So, you know, there's massive inflation, uh, massive devaluation of the currency.
0: Can, can you speak to thinking about the currency can you speak to like a specific example i'm sure you've talked you're talking to people every day you know who are who are really feeling this in their homes and their families what is what does it mean for a family um, to or an individual to to have this you know the currency pulled out from under them what are the real life implications so people can really get it, get a sense of it
1: Right, uh, so I, you know, a lot of the the folks that I uh, that I would know in sort of the Jesuit circles would be middle class, upper middle class, generally, you know, had gone to a Jesuit school or or university, so it would have a, a comfortable living. Would have a professional job. Uh, those, in Lebanon had a structure where you could either be paid in U.S. dollars or in Lebanese currency. Those were generally paid in U.S. dollars. The value of what they were paid has remained about the same. Uh, there's some difficulties on the ground and, uh, and some difficulties there. Those who were paid in Lebanese currency, uh, they, they're now making an eighth of what they were making before. So a family that, the job, the and, and the uh, uh, the income hasn't changed at all. It's just the value of of what they what they make. So uh, what had been a normal middle class family, uh, you know, first of all, stopped having to be being able to buy any meat at all. Uh, and now mm-hmm. is is basically uh, it was just working off bread and and some very very basic you know labneh the uh, yogurts and things like that uh, any any uh, any idea of any uh, you know protein or any sort of uh, you know, sort of basic food items uh, would be taken out from them uh, so that, I mean that's those are the that's where you see the very real uh, implications of this.
0: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sure it has a nutritional aspect too. It's not just a matter of not getting a fancy meal, but you're not if you're not getting protein. That's a key. That's a right. key. key I, mean,
1: right? the cl- I mean, one of the most stark uh, announcements was about a month ago or two months ago. Uh, the the Lebanese army had had started phasing out any kind of meat. They are now the, the Lebanese army. So this is you know, the ones that we want. You know, in the you know, if everything's going well, you you feed well and and take good care of them. They they are not receiving any. Any meat, chicken or uh, meat at all, the Lebanese government <laughs> can't afford that. So, um, so that, you know, that, that was a very stark statement about that. You know, sort of
0: you know and then on top of all of this, you know, an economy that's crumbling, an inability to get good nutritious food, you have a global pandemic, um, which also has happened since, since we we last had you on the pod um, talk a little bit about what that's like in Lebanon. What, How is how is that being dealt with? What's the response like? Are, are people able to get um, the, the safety measures that they need for public health? Right.
1: We had, uh, and I, as a Jesuit, I have to admit, we in Lebanon got hit first. Uh, we were one of the first cases uh, to be diagnosed in Lebanon. So in late February, early March, happened to come in, come from Italy, and he came to a meeting here. Uh, and infected uh, three or four guys in our community. So um, we, as a building, we're a building community of about 30 Jesuits. Twelve of those guys ended up becoming COVID positive. Uh, so our building locked down for anything else happened really in the country. So as the first cases were starting to come out, we were uh, we were already locked down. So we were, as a building, we were just completely locked down, isolated to our rooms for three solid weeks without any question. Uh, food was delivered to the door, all this kind of thing. As that happened, so after our first week in quarantine, isolation, uh, the country did basically the same uh, and as happened with, with many places. Uh, it, it literally just the country shut down. You could not go anywhere. Everything went remote. Um, and uh, And so then that probably lasted for about two or th- three weeks here in Lebanon. Uh, and then there were slow phased reopenings, but we're still uh, very similar to everyone else uh, in in highly restricted uh, activity and movement. The the numbers, until about a month ago, had remained somewhat constant. And the and the government was was especially strong at the beginning about the real clampdown and limitations on movement because we know that the hospital structure here there are some good hospitals here. But the hospital structure as it is, the medical structure in the country is not capable of of accepting what has happened in Italy or Spain or the United States. It could not handle that number of, of cases. Um, so they were especially strong at the beginning to sort of clamp down on that. And it seemed to work. Uh, there were cases uh, and but it was somewhere between 15 and 30 You know, new cases would come in a day. Uh, it, it was all, in in some sense, manageable. Uh, about a month ago, uh, and it was because we started reopening and people started getting lazy about things. Uh, we're now, uh, yesterday, we had 300 new cases. So, in uh, in about a month, it's you know uh, ten times what it had been uh, at least. And uh, and I have to admit, I mean, certainly with the explosion um, and and the results of that, uh, while people have been very good generally, when you're out on the streets and you see the Cleanup crews—they are wearing the masks, but this this has to impact that as well. So, our our number of cases is going up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I imagine it's just one you know one disaster after another. Talk me through that that day. Um, bring me into that kind of that moment when this explosion happens. Um, where were you? What were you doing? When did you know something was wrong?
1: It's fascinating. We've been. This is the common conversation. Everyone's asking where they were. Even now, a a week and a half out, uh, it was part of our lunchtime conversation uh, here in the office. Uh, So I was. It was six oh eight on a Tuesday evening. It's summer. It's August. Uh, Beirut is a Mediterranean city, so it's hot. And about a quarter of our staff are on uh, vacation right now. It's just a normal time for people to be on leave. and I've tried to be very deliberate about, you know, uh, you know for, for our staff, it's the summer, it gets to the finish, end of your work, go, you know, go and be a normal human being and, and have a good life. Uh, and so I was really trying to mention that to people. I had been on a phone call. Uh, our office is in the, the church building uh, here in the Jesuit complex, and we have two sides one is faces the water and one faces away from the water and uh, the room we have a room that is you can close the door and if you're having a telephone conversation like this one uh, you don't bother anyone you're in that room you have the conversation I was in that uh, call uh, up until six o'clock finished call thank you very much close the computer go back to my desk on the other side of the office which is away from the water uh, I sit down. Uh, I'm talking to the. There's one woman who's sitting uh, sort of across the room from me. We're talking nonsense. I mean, it's just sort of normal end of the day right. kind of wrapping up. Right. Uh, and now, I mean, both of us. She she's Lebanese, and so she uh, was born during the civil war, but was uh, you know very uh, teenager during the 2006 Israeli conflict. Uh, she was around during all of there was a, a string of car bombings that happened in 2013. Uh, very well aware of life in Lebanon I was here for all the car bombings in 2013 there was a sound that we both looked at one another and said that something that was something that is not a normal Lebanon Beirut sound we both looked at one another uh, and then and then there was an explosion but it was far away and she at that point she stood up and we both sort of got under my desk and then by the time, thankfully, we were under the desk, at that point, the wow, the wallop of the uh, uh, what we've all seen, that cloud uh, that we've seen in the videos uh, hit us. Uh, and that was, uh, everything shattered, dust everywhere, alarms went off, every car alarm went off. Uh, and so it was, it, was a, it was a really surreal moment. I, I was sure, we were, both of us were sure, uh, that whatever happened happened right out in front of our building. Um, we're about a, a less than one and a half kilometers away from the, uh, uh, from the port. Uh, there was no doubt in my mind that whatever had happened had happened right out in front of her. It was that strong. It was, it was nothing uh, like any of the car bombs we'd seen before. I mean, the, the, it was just a, a completely different scale uh, than any of that.
0: I, I, I'm i I'm struck by like the muscle memory to get under the desk to, to that, 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 that the you know, people are so, You know, it's, 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 it's recent in recent memory. I don't, I don't know if I would have had that kind of muscle memory. So what, what does it mean to put, you know, kind of trauma on trauma on trauma, you know, a civil war, um, you know, you're working with a refugee community that's, that's, that's fled war, um, you know what, what is it like to 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 talk to your, your friends and your colleagues that that you know this is uh, certainly different and tragic at a different scale and yet familiar in some ways. What does that What does that mean for people's life? Yeah, it, it really uh, it, it is. It really is
1: just a. It, it, on one level, it goes in two different directions. On one level, they have the muscle memory, as you said. This is what we do. Uh, when there is an explosion, you get under the desk. Uh, there was an interesting in in the building right next to us, the Jesuit residents, the scholastics who I live with. So these are Jesuits from Lebanon. Uh, these were Lebanon and Egyptian scholastics, and there was a or, I'm sorry, a Syrian and Egyptian scholastics. Um, the the Syrians knew exactly what to do. The Egyptians had no idea what to do. The Egyptians knew, you don't know, get into, you know, explosions in uh, in Egypt. Uh, so there is that sense of muscle memory. Someone who had lived in Aleppo for the last five years knows exactly what to do when there is an explosion. Someone who's lived in uh, in southern Egypt, it's just not part of their experience. So there's a. Um, so on one level, there's that. But I will say, uh, just in conversations with uh, with our staff here, who are almost all Lebanese, uh, the the results of as you say that that um, that multiplied trauma that uh, you know, the, the trauma on trauma on trauma, uh, even for people that are not refugees. And that's that, that we'll get into later is a whole separate, you know, separate uh, situation, I think, for the Syrians that we accompany. Uh, but just for the Lebanese who've been through this, this is just part of their. It's interesting. I've had several conversations that I have known our staff here for a year, and some of them I've known for many years. Uh, we've had conversations about when they were kids during the Civil War. That I'd never had before. You know, one of them was telling me, uh, as a result of this, memories of when he was, he was probably first grade, six or seven years old, or whatever, uh, and the, the school, which is, he went to school just down the street here, uh, was in the middle of a firefight between two Christian militias uh, at the end of the Civil War in the late 80s, um, and he remembers very distinctly uh, the the shells coming in, and and he was on the last bus out of the out of the school. Wow. His friends who didn't get on that bus had to stay in the basement of the school for know, it was a week or something like that. Um, and and you know, him, that very real physical sense of the explosion uh, brought that memory back uh, in a way that um, you know, we'd never we'd never talked about that before. Uh, so that clearly it brings that up. And then we, we, you see it. And this is one of the things we'll we all talk about in this last week. Not only do we talk about the actual experience, but it's the I'm having problems sleeping. Uh, I am uh, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more jittery now. Uh, well, interestingly, so that happened, the explosion happened on Tuesday. On Sunday, I had the English language mass here in the in the Jesuit church. And we had to have it in a side chapel because the stained glass windows are still at risk of falling. Some of them are still sort of battering and falling down. And uh, so we were off in the side, cha- side uh, chapel and uh, And it's mostly Filipinos, uh, foreign embassy workers, things like that. And uh, at one point, there's a huge dumpster, series of dumpsters out in front here. And in between Tuesday and Sunday, those dumpsters have been overflowing with broken glass and wood and aluminum, all the junk that had clearing out of their houses. And finally, someone came along with a dump truck, uh, front end loader, to to clear all this away. and I don't know you can think of the sound of a dumpster, like an empty dumpster being slammed back on the ground again. And it's this, Wah! wow. And the whole, every one of us shook. You know, there was that, uh, you know, it was like, ah, this is a sound that I know too well. Um, there's a sense of everyone being on edge. E- even those of us for whom this was the first major explosion, most of the Filipinos, it was their first major Lebanese explosion. For the Lebanese who'd been here, this is bringing back all sorts of explosions. And it's, and when you as you said the positive muscle memory it's the negative uh, sort of uh, trauma of that as well
0: i so i imagine mental health services is is key right now right do do you find that you have are people able to get um, you know those those needs met are are people um you know, is is are these kinds of memories resurfacing, the conversations being had? Um, is it is it kind of building a solidarity among people as they reflect back on common experiences or or is it is it crippling, or maybe it's both. you know, is it is it crippling people uh, making it unable to kind of rebuild? what 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 is your sense of of, I guess the the psyche of the city? Uh,
1: what I would say is that it is uh, th- at the moment, it, it's a great source of solidarity. Uh, it is really beautiful to see. The city coming together, uh, the, uh, the community coming together, being able to form uh, you know, a sense of common mission about that. Like the explosion happened on Tuesday, on Thursday, and Wednesday, everyone started figuring it out. On Thursday, the streets and the church and everything around us was packed uh, with kids and, and, and young folks with just they brought whatever broom or shovel they had and they just started doing whatever they could. And there was a great sense of needing to do something about it. Uh, but there was a great sense of community of collaboration about that uh, it was a beautiful thing to see uh, and so there is that as I say it is the standard conversation with everyone people in the office in the Jesuit community random people that I'm talking to now you know in other parts of Beirut, where we're collaborating on things uh, where were you how is your house uh, how's your family and and it becomes the beginning of any conversation and it's a sense of, of uh, community of solidarity there's a a shared you know, sort of struggle or, or suffering there yeah what I will say your other question on sort of the the impact of that is um, maybe the uh, the best indicator of that is the number so we have uh, one of the largest programs that we have here in, in Lebanon for this for Syrian refugees uh, is mental health uh, outreach programs and that's those have been going on since 2013. Uh, and we have excellent sort of structures in terms of psychologists uh, and, and social workers and, and uh, lots of people on the grounds to help people work through things. Uh, the number of phone calls that they've had uh, from the Syrians uh, that they've been working with for so long uh, has just been over the top. And so we're at the moment, we're looking to how to. How we can support them and, and continue that work.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine that it's just it's over, that that side of things is just overwhelming. What what have you found that um, as a Jesuit community you you have been able to? Uh, how how have you been able to respond? What have been the things that you guys um, as, as Jesuits have been able to do? Uh, kind of in the streets or with the people or or, or kind of reinforcing the communities.
1: Uh, it's been really exciting to see. I mean, it's really it is as much uh, what. Um, being a part of the Ignatian family, I think is what I'm, I'm really attentive to. Uh, the the church here, um, every day, we have we used to have, uh, we still do have a, a center that distributes food uh, to poor and vulnerable Lebanese. Uh, that has just grown uh, astronomically. Uh, in addition to that, so that was a, a standalone operation basically of the parish. Uh, in addition to that now, in the other part of the church, uh, a separate food distribution, food pre- preparation, and distribution operation has started, uh, and they are serving um, specifically the, the folks in the homes that have been destroyed. Uh, so those just erupted. You know, they just happened. People showed up. Uh, the food just sort of arrived. Um, at this point, we have not uh, received any of the international funds. You know, we we we're getting. We have some funds, but we're. Uh, we're limited on that, but it, it, somehow or another, the, everything's happening, it's coming together. Uh, I think the most exciting stuff, so that's that's the food distribution, and and so those teams of our uh, alumni and, and students then put the food out into the streets and then went with brooms and shovels and, and joined the, the masses in the street. It was a really beautiful thing to see. Um, my What I think is really exciting is um, we can often... I think, especially as we're trying to sort of process the, the tragedy and the trauma of this, we can fall prey to the idol of busyness. Mm. There's a lot of action to be done, and and it needs to be done. No question. People need to be fed, uh, homes need to be repaired, um, essential, absolutely essential. Um, but what I'm also seeing is is several Jesuits who are just putting on their collar and walking down the streets uh, and just talking with folks, praying with folks, listening to folks. Uh, and so that I think is that's where it's It can be distinctly uh, Jesuit Ignatian that there's some sort of reflection. There's one of the guys, actually it was the guy who just stopped by the office here, uh, is a alum of one of our schools. And he, uh, with a group uh, of of his uh, classmates, basically, uh, they've decided uh, that they're just going to do exactly that, that they're going to take around pots of coffee. Uh, they're not construction workers. they're not uh, you know they don't they're not necessarily all that good at cooking. Uh, they're gonna take pots of coffee and they're gonna walk house to house and they're gonna just talk with people and listen to them, pray with them, whether they're Muslim, Christian Druze, whatever. Uh, they're planning uh, I think it's for this weekend, um, one of the neighborhoods that was severely affected by this was a very, very Christian uh, neighborhood. And so as a way to just do something, uh, which would be a very Lebanese thing, is to do a procession, a religious procession, statue of Mary, incense, yada, 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 very traditional devotion, but to do a procession between some of these churches that have been destroyed. Us to have people come out, build a community together, have a sense that this is, um, to get them out of the uh, what's going on in my house, and, and somehow or another to breathe some hope into that. Right, but I love the idea of just like radical accompaniment.
0: Yeah, I, I love that, and I, it's um, I feel like I always struggle. Not not I've never been in, in a tragedy such as this, but I always struggle to to say what can I do? You know, what 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 value do I have? And I I think that just boiling it down to just you being there, present, is the value added. And right. and I think it just becomes so clear in a moment like this, where people are, uh, you know, just suffering from trauma and 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 deep loss. I you know, I, it strikes me that you know, when we talk about this deep loss, it's, uh, you know, certainly people need shelter and food and water and hygiene, you know, those basic necessities. But I also imagine that a lot of what was lost in the explosion is, is intangible, is, is culturally significant, mm-hmm. religiously significant, um, just memories. How, how has that, you know, affected people? Or what, or what have you seen of, of that, that stuff that, that might get lost in the news coverage, but that is a deep loss to the Lebanese people?
1: Uh, you know, there's. Uh, I, I think it really is. I'm, on some level, I've heard mostly uh, walking through the neighborhoods is just that. This was my home. You know, that mm-hmm. sense of home. Uh, these a lot of the places, especially the ones that were most uh, damaged, were beautiful old. Uh, you know, sort of uh, beautiful old homes, um, and so you have all of that. Uh, I, you know, there were, I think, it's they they say ten churches and and probably as many mosques. Uh, that were damaged by this these were ple- places where people had their weddings and baptisms and funerals of, of people that they loved um this you know this is where <clears throat> i'm always attentive in the eastern christian tradition in the eastern churches you you always pray for the city you know mm-hmm. and it's always mentioned we don't do that so much in the, in the roman rite, but uh you know you always mention this the location is a very important thing uh and we know in the u.s as We've talked about church closures and things like that. People, it's more than just this particular building. It's where mom and dad got married. It's where so-and-so was buried. It's where, and, and so there's that, oftentimes there's uh, a very real sense of, of place uh, that that has been lost in, in a lot of this. So, uh, so there's certainly all of that. Um, I, I think there's, um, you know, as, as much as it's it's less tangible, I suppose, but that that sense of, of home, that sense of security, I think,
0: probably the biggest part yeah no that makes a lot of sense um kind of taking off of that you know talking about you know loss of home loss of place sense of place um you know you obviously serve in a in particular way the, the refugee community and i wonder right. uh you know even even before the explosion, I imagine, uh, COVID-19 was having a, a specific unique impact on this community. Um, and then, and then you have this explosion that sets off, you know, new rounds of trauma and, um, you know, I'm sure a struggle with sense of place and, and home. What, what have you seen? What, what, what should people know about how the refugee community in, in, in Beirut in particular is, is being affected by this?
1: I think that's exactly, you, you name it right there. Um, the, uh, so the Syrians that we accompany here uh, faced violence and turmoil and destruction in their homes, which was so bad that they were forced to leave and come to a new place. In that new place, they were strangers. Uh, they felt like, so they didn't belong. Uh, there was that sense of, of, of uh, just being a stranger in a strange land, uh, that, that alone, those two traumas alone are a lot to deal with. And that's what we've been, our mental health and our schools and things have been, uh, mental health programs in schools have been working on for the last uh, six or seven years um, you throw on top of that uh, first of all it's the economic crisis uh, so whatever whatever funds they might have had or income they might have been making from uh, whatever you know day laborers and like that all of that dries up on top of that uh, whatever opportunity to go out so the schools are closed the support groups that we had uh, all of that went remote and so the kids and the women in particular who at least had a place to go? They would go to the center and have their support group. They would go to the school and have a place to get out of there. Now they're they're restricted to that, and so you're ten people to a small apartment, and you're just stuck there all day. Uh, and so there's that you know added stress, uh, and then on top of that, you throw this massive explosion that broke all the windows in your house, reminded you of the days in Aleppo or Raqqa or or Homs or wherever you were, uh, and so that that sense of Uh, A home has been so destroyed uh, in so many ways uh, for, certainly for the Syrians that we accompany, uh, that this is just uh, at some level um, uh, has been a real tragic uh, sort of breaking
0: point. Yeah. I I can't even imagine. I, um, as, as you look, so, I mean, you, you've assumed a new role with, with JRS, um, uh, you know, in, in Beirut. Uh, Maybe you can talk a little bit about that role and then specifically what, what, you know, as, as 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 much as you're able to plan, as you look out now on the landscape, the remainder of 2020, um, you know, in Beirut, against the global pandemic, um, you know, refugees continue to to be um, you know forced from their homes all over the world. Um, you know, what what are you hoping to to accomplish in the near term, um, and, and in the in the maybe the medium term? What 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 do you see as the greatest need and the greatest place where that Ignatian family that you, you mentioned can have that impact?
1: Uh, so I have to say that the um, the new the new role, I'm uh, I'm delighted to be working with JRS. I, I love the work that we do. I love the work of my colleagues. Uh, it, it, um, <laughs> I've been joking with people. I, I'm not entirely sure what I did wrong, but I take over this new role as the regional director uh, for Lebanon, Syria, Jordan and Iraq uh, at a time when we've got a global pandemic, an economic meltdown, and then now a, a massive explosion in, in Beirut. Doing great. Sir. So I found myself, <laughs> Yeah, well, just a normal day. Uh, I found myself the other day um, on a, so I was out doing a visit uh, to our, our project, and I got a phone call uh, from Iraq. Uh, we're having a banking issue there. Uh, and so all of a sudden, I'm, I'm sort of thrown from the middle of the chaos of Beirut and Responding to accompanying uh, Syrians in Beirut, thrown immediately into a, a complicated but uh, sort of a, a, a banking issue in Iraq, and, and so it, all of a sudden, just is a surreal moment of, uh, okay, this is my job and this is what I what I have to do. Uh, so that's been uh, <clears throat> um, a real a blessing, but it's also been a been a challenge. Um, but what I have seen uh, across the board is. Uh, an extraordinary uh, sense of solidarity from our Ignatian family. Um, And so we, through Jesuit provinces, uh, through the JRS, just through my own family and friends that I sent out an email to a little while ago, uh, we have seen uh, an overwhelming uh, sense of support uh, that have come through uh, in supporting our our initial relief efforts here. Uh, And then as we're looking now, we're looking into the longer term um, uh, we have we have a four-month window here where we're going to have to worry about basic needs food shelter um, i'm we're at the moment really trying to plan for that longer term for this next year uh, what are the uh psychosocial what are the spiritual implications of this and how do we accompany people through this as you say this multiple layered trauma um, and so that's uh you know what i will say is that the the extraordinary generosity of the uh, Jesuit family and friends so far have been, has been extraordinary um, I certainly know uh, that so that has come certainly through JRS um, we as a province uh, the Jesuit province here in the Middle East is also looking for that uh, that same so they um, in terms of their uh, they have local NGOs these local uh, groups that have been distributing food uh, are also those who have to continue you know before they would sort of a small group of elderly folks who were pensioners and unlimited incomes. Uh, and as the economic crisis was hitting them, okay, we, we serve this small group of, of older folks. That number has just grown exponentially. Um, and so that, that will be something we, we, we as JRS are supporting them, uh, but they they will need their own uh, funding as well. The, the rebuilding of the church here. I mean, we will, there is real structural damage here that we'll have to um, the uh, it's it's um, the, the, the rebuilding process is going to take a long time. We've done most of the cleaning. Uh, I think the um, you know sort of the, the debris is off the streets. Cars can drive on the streets now, uh, but there's a, there's still a lot of baseline cleaning, and then the, the rebuilding stuff is going to take a long time.
0: Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I, I wonder. You know, I, you 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 uh, you share with me a, a beautiful reflection. I think you sent with that that email. Um, uh, to your to your your network um, about brokenness and 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 kind of a, a prayer experience you had before the tabernacle I wonder just kind of as a as a closing here for our listeners um if, if you might share that reflection and maybe anything else that has come to you about the idea of, of brokenness and 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 kind of where we find ourselves in that and and maybe if, if, if it points to any hope if there's any hope or 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 um, um, you know what, what is giving what is sustaining you through this moment of brokenness
1: right the, the moment you mentioned, it was a very powerful moment of prayer for me. So the night of the explosion, uh, we just had this uh, horrific event. Uh, literally, every part of the ground, indoors, outdoors, was covered in glass. You just could not walk anywhere without broken glass. Dust uh, still in the air uh, everywhere. <clears throat> uh, all of the doors of our residence, all the doors of the church had just been blown off. Um, and there was some... Uncertainty about that, and none of us could really go to sleep. I mean, we were still—it was just sort of the adrenaline rush or whatever it was—and <clears throat> so we were chatting in different groups. I don't know if we were sitting guard. I don't know what we would have been guarding. I mean, whatever. But you know, we, we were sort of sitting outside the doors uh, of some of the residents, some of us of the church, and uh, and so it was probably one, two o'clock in the morning, <clears throat> and I just sort of got up and I took a little walk. And I I had been into the church before, uh, but I hadn't been able to linger. It had been making sure that everything was okay or moving uh, heavy stuff or whatever. Uh, At this point, it was completely empty, completely quiet, uh, but everything was still in chaos. You know, the glass was still on the floor. The pews were all destroyed. uh, the the, Whatever curtains had been blown off, the doors had been blown off. Uh, And I just found myself, it was the first time that I was actually able to sit down and really pray uh, in the middle of this, uh, and I found myself. I mean, it's it's a simple, almost sort of uh, you know, childlike piety. Uh, I was attentive. The, the one thing in the place that I had <laughs> that wasn't busted was the the red candle next to the tabernacle, uh, and it was just this real. It was the first time I was able to cry about that. It was a real sense of just sort of, and, and Jesus is still here, you know, in the middle of this complete mess. Uh, This beautiful church that has been a place of great joy for me and a great, uh, a great sense of of, uh, home and uh, a great sense of peace for me uh, in shatters and Jesus is still there. Um, And so I found myself just praying with that, the image of the with at the Lamb of God in the the Eucharist and Eucharistic prayer at the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is broken. Uh, the, The bread is has to be broken taken, blessed, broken, and given. It has to be broken in order to be given. It's the, you know, the old, you know, the old sort of fallback on that, that um, there's that sense that Jesus knows our brokenness and stays there with us, doesn't run away, doesn't leave us, uh, tabernacle's not empty, um, that, it, that, that Jesus knows that brokenness and continues on. Uh, and so that sense of uh, naming my own brokenness, naming the brokenness of this church, the brokenness of the country that we're in, the brokenness of a world where there are refugees, naming all of that uh, and, and saying that it is perfectly a realistic, legitimate response to just say, screw it all. Uh, it's just not worth it. Uh, God hasn't said that. Uh, God knows all of the brokenness. God knows my brokenness, the brokenness of this church, city nation, world in which refugees exist and climate change, destroying the planet and COVID and all that, all of the stuff. that God knows all that. And is still there and says, all right, let's get up tomorrow morning and take the next step. Uh, And so that that next step has really been my has been my prayer. Uh, and, And so I. Here again, it was sort of a, 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 an older devotion, not one that I was normally praying with, but that sense of Veronica uh, in, the, uh, in the in the Stations of the Cross, wiping the wounds of Jesus. In the last few in the week and a half since the
2: explosion, we've been cleaning the wounds of Jesus. The wounds are still there. The buildings are still
1: broken. The social, political, economic structure that led us to this point uh, in Lebanon uh, where this massive explosion took place uh, because of government incompetence, Those still exist. Uh, We've been wiping the blood off the wounds, but the wounds are still there. Uh, And and that is is what we do. But we do that, we accompany Jesus to and on the cross, because at the end of the day, that's not the end. Uh, The the resurrection happens. Uh, But but Veronica was there, we are there. We attend to the wounds, uh, knowing that the resurrection follows, Uh, so that's really been my prayer.
0: Beautiful. It's a beautiful prayer. Well, Father Dan, thank you for taking some time to to, to talk us through kind of the, the situation in Beirut and and to share these reflections. Uh, be assured of our prayers and and the prayers of all all the, our listeners. Um, well, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again um, under better circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Excellent. <laughs> all right, my Very friend. Good. Have a good uh, a good rest of your day. Thanks thank again. You, Eric. Great to be with you. Bye.
2: AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Dara Sump, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, and me, Mike Jordan-Lasky. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, instagram at we are the jesuits and facebook.com slash jesuits if you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the jesuits connect with a jesuit vocation promoter at beaJesuit.org. drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org you can subscribe to the show on itunes spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and as saint ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said go and set the world on fire